Hello. Hello, John. How are you doing? Hi there, Dan. Hi. How's it going over there? Uh, it's a little, little, little weird, a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's that? I said, why don't you tell me about it? Tell you know, me all about it. Internet outages happening at the oh. worst possible time and um, having to, you know, reboot machines and that kind of nonsense. It's never, never fun. No, no, that sounds terrible. Can you imagine, Dan, what would happen if the series of tubes of the internet went down and what would we do? How long? I wouldn't have, wouldn't have much of an income if that happened, you know? Well, here, you're the, you're the, uh, of the two of us, you're the tech guy. (sighs) What would it take to, for the internet, I'm talking about the internet now, for it to go down and not come back up for some period. Well, I mean, it, for my internet connection or the internet as a whole, no, it would take a lot the for the internet as a whole. But you know, you know how bad it is when Amazon S3 goes offline for an hour or Cloudflare goes offline or misconfigured, you know, like it's. Uh, no, I have no idea what those things are. When those things happen, the whole internet is like, is disrupted for extended periods of time. And it's, um, and what does that mean? Disrupted? What does that, what does that mean? It might mean that you don't see any images. It might mean that you go to websites and they're just blank or you never connect and your Safari browser just spins and spins and spins or, you know, things like that. So, so when that happens, how do I know that Amazon dot blog, well, you, you might down. not know, you might not know, but the nerds like me would know. Um, but for you, it how would just be, I, well, because I get alerts and all that kind of nonsense because I'm, I have, I run, I run services that rely on those kinds of things. And so when you do that, they, they notify you or, or you get a million, suddenly get a million tickets from people saying, uh, my site's down. What did you do? Please fix it. And and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I look and then I find out that, yeah, Cloudflare's down or Amazon S3 is gone or whatever. And it doesn't take very much. Like we think of the internet as just being this, you know, like if you go back to the history of the internet and the beginnings of it all, uh, you I know, love it there. I love it there. The yeah, of the internet. that's the best time. But you know, it was designed to be this sort of fault tolerant system, so that in in the event of like a nuclear war or some kind of other big disruption, that things could still work. That we have routing that would say, well, this this main routing point is down. That's all right. We can work our way and still get the information from from. A to to Z without going B C D, we can just go to Q and R P and R uh to sure. get it there. And so, you know, with Q P R. Yeah. Without that, uh-huh. um, you know, what but but when you have a service that a lot of people rely on. So like Amazon S3 is where a lot of companies and businesses store their um store their things like images, for example. Uh, and so uh-huh. if Amazon S3 is down, then no images show up on anything. And it could be much worse than that, of course. But those are the kinds of things that what, happen. What causes those things on a scale where we're talking about Amazon? <laughs> have- Dude, there's, there have been problems where one, where one like junior level engineer typed the wrong number instead of a one, they typed a two. And that caused an mm. outage that cascaded across their entire framework and resulted in hours of downtime and millions and millions of dollars lost by companies. Like that's happened. That's not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. That exact thing has happened and it's happened more than once and it will happen again. Hmm. Well, for those of us who 
do not drive cars that shift themselves. For mm-hmm. those of us who are out here in the wilderness where spinning beach balls just seem like they're all they are all connected to the same thing, which is the ghost in the machine. We will never know. When the internet finally goes down for the last time, I'll never know. I'll sit and I'll watch the spinning beach ball and I'll say, I'm sure that I just need to turn it off and turn it back on again. Right. And, you know, if the internet went down at that level such that uh, we couldn't do podcasts anymore, Mm. I mean, well, it's not just that we couldn't do them, but nobody could get them even if we did them. Sure, I could record and send it to you in the mail, but who would? There'd be no, there'd be no venue for it. And then what? Then it, then it'd be, then I'd be practicing cottage core somewhere, making bread and just hoping that the blood wave washes over us. I guess doesn't sound very good, Dan. I <laughs> no. need you to keep the internet rolling. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll so work the streams are it. swollen. I need you to keep them doggies rolling, Dan. Yeah. No. No. I'm the ride. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I was asking uh, about well, the, if it's you, good you, you to talk you, to you, but glad you're here. Yeah, I think it's good to be here. Um so I was um I was watching some of your uh KEXP. I have that right call sign? KEXP? Yeah. Uh those they're beloved in my family. We they my kids especially love to watch those. And so I noticed that you use a capo um for some of the songs, namely, I mean, cinnamon, I know for sure. And, um, I wanted to ask you as a musician, like, how do you make those kinds of decisions? Are you doing that because it, it has the the right sound that you're looking for? Is it because of your vocal range and the way you want to sing the song? Like, how do you come to decide? I got to, I got to capo this one. Uh, well, it goes a couple of different ways. There's the, sometimes it's reverse engineering. Um, because uh, it was a technique I used on every record. Yeah. Where after the um, after the track was finished, in trying to make it, you know, sound more glued together, sound kind of more um, more exciting, I would actually speed up the tape machine. Oh. And you, you know, a, ta- a tape machine, a two inch tape machine has a little very speed knob on it. A lot of them did. Oh, I think they all did where you could, you could just speed the tape up a couple of clicks. And, um, because it was all on actual analog tape, if you sped it up, the key, the pitch of the song went up. And if you really, really cranked it, I mean, if you crank it too much, then you get chipmunk voice and it sounds unnatural. But if you do it a little bit, you get this kind of up to a certain point. Often you get a kind of pleasing urgency to the song and it, you know, stuff kind of blurs a little bit together. It feels more of a piece. But when you do that, if you're somebody like me that doesn't, that's not entirely clear how things are done in the world. Like you'll find this with albums where if you pick up a guitar and you try and play along with your favorite record and you just cannot get your guitar in tune with the album, you're like, I'm trying it in every key and I just can't get this. I can't get my guitar to gel with it. And you, you check your tuning and it's like, it just won't do it. It's because the, 
in the recording or in the mixing of the mm-hmm. album, the band turned the very speed and put the tuning of the, of the song somewhere in between. Mm. So it's not ever going to be in tune with, you know, just, just because it's not an E, they didn't crank it all the way up to F. It's like E plus plus somewhere, somewhere in the, in this weird range. So with cinnamon, I turned the, the pitch up a little bit when mixing the song and then for some reason felt obligated to put a capo on the first fret in order to have the, have our live rendition of the song, uh, be closer to the sound of, you know, because what it, what it did is it make, makes me sing higher, which is harder. Right. And, um, and it makes it a lot harder for the bass player. You know, it puts it in this place where the piano now is up on the black keys. Although, although there's not piano on that one in the same way, but you know, it makes it harder on everybody, but that was this kind of attempt to reverse engineer. And it, it, for years I did that. And then eventually I was like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to play cinnamon and G and started doing that. Now scared straight. I play with a capo because I wrote the song on the piano and I wrote it because, you know, certain piano keys are very pleasing to play in. And for me, at least, you know, kind of black key keys Mm -hmm. where you're, you're up in the sharps and flats. Um, because you know, as a piano player, I'm not really conscious of like, Oh, this song is in the key of D I'm just kind of letting my hands walk around the piano and, and they find things and I put chords together and then all of a sudden I've got a song and I'm like, this is amazing. And I take it to the band and the bass player is like, really like F sharp is where you want, or, you know, or like B I I don't want to have to play in that it's just like so much less fun and easy than to just play in G or something. But of course he loves the challenge. Eric Corson loved the challenge. So he never complained, but other people would, (laughs) uh, but I wrote it on the piano and then it made sense that I would play guitar live. But again, I, I wanted it to, to sound like the album. So I had to put a capo on it. Um, because that was, that was the actual key that I played the song in. Uh, the song seven, I actually use a capo on because I kind of discovered slash felt like I invented a thing where I put the capo on at the second fret on every string except the low E. So it basically created a, like a drop D situation, but but it was done with a capo rather than by dropping the low string. And what that, what that does is that it means that I can play chords and there's a, there's a droning E Mm -hmm. in the low end that I never have to fret, but the capo lets me play chords up in that sort of second position. Right. So I get, I get open chords, but it's, I get it. I get to play an open D shape, but it's actually in the key of E. 
And I really liked the sound of it. And it was kind of like, it was, it was a surprising discovery and I hadn't seen a lot of people do it. And so that was a neat thing for me, a neat use of a capo. And then new girl and songs like that. There are a couple of songs like, um, like honest where I actually put the capo on the fifth fret all the way up. And that lets me play open shape chords, but get the, get that like middle of the neck power chord tone and be able to do these songs in sort of D A E. Mm -hmm. But they're not power chords. They're open chords because, you know, then I can pick through them and I can do all this stuff because I never really got into when I first learned guitar, you know, we were all trying to play metal and all those guys just use fifths. You know, they just play the most basic bar chord. They never put the third in the car. The chords are super ambiguous, whether they're even uh, major or minor. It's just, it's just fifths, heavy fifths with a lot of distortion. When I joined Harvey danger, the, uh, the guitar player, Jeff Lynn, I joined as the keyboard player and he said every time, like never play the third, just play the fifths. And I was like, fifths on the piano. It's just so boring. It's like clang, clang, clang. And he's like, all I want is the fifths. Do not ever play a third. And if I slipped a third in, when I was playing the piano parts at the end of the song, he would come over and say, <laughs> I heard that third, leave it out. Cause he was a piano player. And for people who are not ear. musicians and don't know the difference between a fifth and, and a third, what you're talking about are <clears throat> like intervals between, right. Um, between the different notes or, um, or, or chords in this case. But can you right. explain like, right. what, and- what does that mean? Like to, to somebody who maybe has a guitar and knows like chords to play, like, but doesn't understand what you're saying. Well, hang on. Yeah. Getting some coffee. Yeah. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in a minute. All right. (laughs) So a fifth is just, (laughs) at least as I understand it on a guitar, you know, you're just playing, you're playing two notes. You're making the most basic chord. Like this isn't in tune. Tune it up. So a fifth is just. Oh, and that's that a, that's a really be, good Devo song. I know that one. Well, yeah, it's so many songs. <laughs> it's every, it's every song. Would you call those power chords? You would. Yeah. Those yeah. are power chords. But when you introduce, now you've got three chords, but it's still sort of a power chord. You haven't introduced a minor element or major element. You haven't like colored it very much. You're just, you've given it a little bit more because what you've introduced in that second note is, um, is just the root note but an octave higher. So root note, fifth octave higher. Yeah. And then the 
this guitar is one of my f most favorite. It's like the coolest design guitar I ever, I, of all the guitars. It's uh, I got it for 50 bucks somewhere. It's a crazy plywood 60s Japanese thing with a, it's called a musician. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a very cheap guitar, but I think it's extremely beautiful. And I actually went to a, a, a custom guitar maker by the name of Saul Cole in Portland. And Saul has made a template of this guitar and he and I have been working on him building me a really nice guitar that looks like this really cheap guitar. Okay, so here's our, our power chord. But then you introduce the third. There's what we were playing. There's the third. And if you drop that note a half a step, it becomes a minor chord. And that changes. That's where the, the chord becomes, well, it's, there's a lot more going on in a chord like that. And if you're making records, if you're playing with a, with a lot of other instruments, if you're putting down, if you're putting down multiple guitar tracks and every guitar has the third in it, it, uh, it's one more place where guitars can be out of tune with each other. It's one more place where that third can, um, can create a, like a, a disharmony with another instrument that's maybe playing kind of an interesting or thoughtful, like a baseline, a baseline can do a lot of interesting, thoughtful things that aren't just in the sort of major chord. And those interesting things won't, you know, they, they introduce tension into it, into the song in, uh, in ways that don't necessarily change the key of the song, but they, they really, um, will drive or motivate it in a different way. But if you've got all your guitars playing these big, bright, like it, 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 it kind of limits what the other instruments can do in terms of really get creative and get outside of the thing. But if you, you know, if you're just playing fifths, you can keep the song. You can imagine that mm -hmm. it's still in a major key and it feels that way, but you know, but the bass can like dip into other things. But I was always somebody that felt like, well, there's six strings on the guitar play them all like every <laughs> time you get a chance to just play every string wee! and it took me a long time to stop trying to play every note and to realize like if i'm going to double or triple this guitar and this is going to be a rhythm guitar and there's going to be piano and horns and all these other things on this song uh maybe i should just do some just play some basic chords and with distortion if your amp is loud enough you only need to play one one string and you 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 double it or triple it and it sounds super fat in a way it sounds way bigger 
than if you had all six strings going. And Mm -hmm. that's just, you know, it's, it's part of, if I, if I could go back and talk to myself as a younger player, you know, I always sang at the top of my lungs, but at the top of your lungs, it, it doesn't sound any louder. And in some cases, doesn't sound anywhere near as loud as somebody who's singing quietly, but imitating the sound of a loud voice, you know, just sort of like, and it sounds loud, but you're not making any noise really. And I was, every time I got in front of a microphone, just sang, sang like I was in a church and didn't, I sang like I didn't have a microphone and assumed that the, that that made it sound even even louder, but you know, the microphone can only do so much. And also it's only going to be as loud as the, as the speakers. But what it did was it, it really compressed my dynamic range where I was just seeing everything really loud. I never, I never, um, you know, I think Tom Petty talked about right around the making of full moon fever where he was sitting in the studio, just showing the producer, how he wanted a song to go. And the producer was like, well, here, this is it. Let me just set up a microphone here. And Tom Petty was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just sitting in the studio kind of, kind of humming it to you. And the, and the producer was like, yeah, that's it. That's the sound. And from that point on, Petty realized he was working too hard and he, he did all his vocals in a very conversational, uh, voice. And that's sort of what we think of as the, as second, you know, the, the great period of, of mid career Tom Petty. I never learned that lesson. Amy Mann tried to teach it to me. She was like, you're just working way too hard. Like watch me. And she goes out on stage and plays and just seems like she's, you know, just looks like she's sorting coins because she's not, screaming she's not jumping around she's just sort of playing her songs and singing in a comfortable range but by the time i started to put all that together like i was in my late 30s deep Mm. deep into my career and had established this sound and it and it sounded weird if i if i sang differently and you know even now when i think about finishing the songs that i've got laying around I imagine, well, what if I just sang them in a conversational voice? I mean, it's still my voice in a way. It's even maybe more my voice. Um, and I'm far enough away from whatever the last long winner's record is that I don't think anybody would be surprised if it had a very different sound. But like when I was finishing that Western state record, there well, there were some backing vocals or something that, that I wanted to add to a song. And I was able to, at 50, sing so that my voice was indistinguishable from my voice at 30. Right. You know, it has, my voice at least thus far has maintained its tone. And it didn't sound, I, I hadn't lost any of the top end. If anything, I had a little more. But realizing like, yeah, at 30, I was singing like I'd sung at 25, which Mm -hmm. was 
all the way out. And I think originally I started to do it because we had shitty PAs. You just try and sing it, sing over the band. But I think if I if I were making a record in a studio right now, mm-hmm. I would play much um, much reduced chords. But I would layer them. And if I wanted a third in there, we all, there was this famous story about the recording of, about Mutt Lang recording the Def Leppard record. I think it was high and dry, but it might have been all the way to whatever that one with photograph was. Um, whatever that one was, the next one. But photograph was. Oh, you're, 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 you're saying which album? Yeah. Which album was photograph on it? Was oh, the one with the... pyromania. Uh, there it is. Thank you. Pyromania. One of those two records. Yeah. I just looked it up. Yes, it is. It is pyromania. 1983. Mutt Lang was, uh, you know, kind of this, this producer they were excited to work with and he really encouraged them to, to push themselves, encourage, um, the singer to sing higher and, and bigger. But one of the famous stories and who knows whether it's apocryphal or not, I'm sure there's plenty of people have talked about it, but, uh, we heard back in the day that, that he made the guitar players play all their guitar parts one string at a time. So they would play the, they would play the guitar part on the E string and then they would go back and record themselves playing the, the part on the A string. And so he got this like perfect separation of the chords. Now I can't imagine doing that primarily because I just pull all my strings a little sharp. I can't mm. imagine how you would do it and keep this, keep from pulling the strings sharp, but I'm not like a super technical guitar player, but apparently in doing that, that was where he was able to get these really clean, big dynamic, heavy metal chords because he had the, you know, he had the perfect, the perfect note on every string in a chord and he could just combine it combine them into the chords. Uh, and there's, I, we used to laugh at that and just be like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, that doesn't sound fun. But nowadays I, I don't know if I would go that far, but I definitely would record some guitar parts that were just one string because having done it at home, um, now for several years, I realize it, it ends up sounding fatter. And, you know, that's what we're all looking for all the time. Fatter. Mm-hmm. Make it fatter. You want fat. <laughs> we would like to say thank you very much to Squarespace. There are so many things you can do with Squarespace. It lets you build websites. That's the gist of it. And you can build the most amazing, awesome websites in the world. It's true. You can blog. You can publish your content. You can showcase your work. You can promote your physical or online business. You get a special event coming up. Those things still happen in the COVID world. Sure they do. Make a Squarespace site about it. You have a store? You want to sell stuff? No one can come in because of the COVID thing? Well, your Squarespace, sell it online. Seriously. Uh, so many companies are using Squarespace right now to get the word out about the stuff that they're doing. And people are doing it too. Individuals, photographers, musicians, 
because you can put your whole album up there and it's got a built-in player, let people download stuff. I mean, it's ama- it does everything. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. It's secure. You can upload all your images. You can drop in your YouTube files. It's all like drag and drop. Everything that you do in Squarespace happens in the simplest way possible. You're not writing code. You're dragging and dropping. To change the design, the look and feel of the site, you're just toggling little sliders and stuff. It's amazing. And speaking of websites, I mean, that's what they do best. So of course they've got gorgeous templates out there by really, really great designers. And every one of their sites works perfectly and looks great on mobile and every platform. How do they do it? I don't know. But if you're ready to start your new business, if you're ready to, uh, to dream something and make it a reality, well, go do that with Squarespace. They have a special URL just for listeners of this program. If you go there, you're supporting the show. It's squarespace.com slash roadwork. But when you're there, you want to get your own website? You want to get a domain because they sell domains too? No problem. You're going to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain if you use the promo code ROADWORK. So one more time, squarespace.com slash ROADWORK, promo code ROADWORK to save yourself 10% off that first purchase of a website or a domain. Go check them out. And thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. You don't want to cut the fat, Dan. You want to add the fat. That's right. Yeah. Was I answering a question? Uh, well, I was asking you or, why you, you put a capo on um, and some songs. Oh, so yeah, you answered. You answered it. Fully answered it. Yeah, the capo, like finger picking, a capo was one of the things when I was learning to play guitar that somebody showed me how it worked. It seemed cool, and I adopted it as part of the five things I knew how to do like, Oh, put a capo on it. That's one idea. (laughs) That's like a technique. It's a skill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I never, you know, I like, for instance, I never really learned to play slide guitar. Mm. Um, I played it on a couple of songs, but it always was, you know, I was just playing chords. I wasn't, I never did any kind of anything, especially interesting on slide guitar. You know, everything, everything I know how to do, it was just something that I watched somebody do and was like, huh, what would happen if I did that? But it's not like I then sat down with them and said, show me how to do this. I would take the thing and, and sneak off and, and monkey with it and get, get an ability to do one or two things on it and then be like, great. Now I can, I can add that if I need it. Do you watch YouTube videos of people doing things and try to learn from those? Yes, I do. Not the skateboard tricks that you're watching, but other things. Yeah, definitely. Like what? What do you learn from YouTube videos? Let me look at my... Let me look at my little history here and see what some of the things I've been learning about. Okay, so I was looking, um, most recently I was watching a video talking about how to make a subscribe, an animated subscribe button in Adobe Premiere Pro. I looked at a video here, what if the 1,000 hungry cockroaches sees a scorpion, scorpion versus 1,000 cockroaches, um, ducks annihilating a bowl of peas. I watched a video of the Cranberries uh, performing Dreaming My Dreams in 1994, but that didn't really teach me how to do anything. 
um, going through my history, lots did, and lots did, of videos about video editing recently, because that's the thing I've been working on a lot. Lots did, of them. Did ducks, did ducks annihilating a bowl of peas teach you something? Well, it, what yeah, you, kind of. Did you learn to annihilate a bowl of peas? What were you trying to learn? <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to learn with that one, but I, there, when I was in college, um, my, behind uh, the building my uh, roommates and I lived in, there was a, like a, you know, I'm putting air quotes around the word lake. It was like one of those man-made reservoir type things that are all over Florida that, because Florida gets so much rain and the soil is just sand, the runoff fills up parking lots and other things. So they would just sort of dig these randomly placed, ugly, just pits that would just fill up with water and become a lake. And we used to have ducks living in it. And anytime that we didn't finish food or something like that, we would go out back with the container that the food was in. It didn't matter what it was. And the ducks would consume it. And I don't know if this was good for the ducks or bad for the ducks. I didn't concern myself with details like that when I was, you know, 19 years old. Uh, but they, we would just love to watch them eat. They do little fast movements they do with their beaks and stuff. It was hilarious. Huh. Uh, here's a video where I'm looking how to um, uh, do a, install a lift kit on a Ford F-150. Yeah, are you... Are you going to install a lift kit on a Ford F-150? Well, no, it's, I don't, it's a lot of work because you basically have to take off the entire, like the entire assembly for the wheel and the shocks and everything. Like it's a lot of work. It's sure. I, I mean, I have probably the tools I would need for it and I have the space for it, but that's like, for me to do that, that's like a day. Whereas the guys who know how to do it could probably get it done in an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, Looking to see if there's anything else in there that's like a how-to. No, not not many, but a lot of the, a lot of the ones that teach you things about like editing, video editing, and um, here's one that I watched on how to install a, a range hood because we got a uh -huh. new range hood, and I had to. Um, well, I was going to install it, but then it it um, I realized that it was going to require a lot of cutting. And I needed like a Sawzall or something that I don't have. So, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff I'll look at. Yeah. I, I, um, I know that people learn a lot from YouTube. I just never got, I watched a YouTube video once explaining how to take apart the carburetor of my lawnmower Mm -hmm. And I followed the instructions of this person and I successfully took apart the carburetor of my lawnmower and put it back together. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly one of those things where he was like, well, now you have to take this off before you take that off. Otherwise you're, you're either going to break it or you're going to, um, never be able to get it back together. And so that's, those are things where if I tried to just look at it and take it apart, I would have screwed it completely up. Um, and, uh, but there are so many things I could learn and I, uh, just during this pandemic, I've watched a couple of YouTube videos, uh, about guitar where, you know, people are like, okay, well, here's how you get fast on the guitar. Like, Yeah, like the pentatonic like, scale practices and, and scales. Oh, that's and terrible. You're, and they're like, you got to do it over and over and over. And then you can play this. 
but I don't have the, I just don't have the fingers for it. Um, so I am, you know, I, I sit and watch them, but I, I end up kind of walking away before I, before <laughs> I've really learned anything. Yeah. 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 And I, I know that all knowledge has gone to YouTube. Like you were saying the other day that you were trying to get final cut pro or something to work. And that the, the old version was very intuitive for mm-hmm. you. And the latest version you've watched 70 tutorials online. Yes, and correct. None of it makes any sense. And the thing, yeah. Just so I switched to, I switched to Adobe premiere and it's, I was, so I spent, I, um, I had already had a license of Final Cut Pro because I had an employee a number of years ago who was doing video work for us. And so he said that we needed to get a copy. So I got a copy. So I had a copy and I thought, well, I've got to yeah. be doing this video work now. So why not start out with the thing that I own a Final Cut Pro? I used to use Final Cut Pro 7 all the time. And I was, I was pretty competent with Final Cut Pro 7. And I thought, well, this is the latest, greatest version of Final Cut Pro. And they completely changed it. And it's really, really different. And apparently the people that I know that have stuck with it after it changed uh, have said that it, it becomes very, it, it's can, once you get it, you really get it. And then you can like, you're really fast and it becomes a time saver, but that it's so fundamentally yeah. different. I'll try and give you an analogy. If I told you that the, the gas and the brake in your, in your truck were now operated by buttons that were connected to the um, sun visor and, uh, and that you were now steering the car with a little joystick that was uh, where the lock on the window is on the left-hand side. And, um, oh. and you operated your turn signals by coughing. One cough for right, two coughs uh, for left. Eventually you might say, oh, this is much better for me. This is like, this is great. But when you're first mm-hmm. learning it, it feels really, really alien. And I also didn't want to, inv- I'm not like, my goal isn't to become a video editor. Like I might edit videos as a part of what I'm doing, but like, I'm not going to be in Final Cut Pro full time. And I said, well, so I asked a handful of my friends and Twitter. I said, what's the deal with Final Cut Pro? So I actually, before, well, let me go back. Before I did that, I bought uh, like a, 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 a class, which was like six plus hours of videos teaching how to use Final Cut Pro. And so I used Final yeah. Cut Pro to try and actually do the project. And I spent two days trying to create a video with it. Uh, and was at the, end of the, at the end of the two days, I had almost the same thing that I started with and I, it was not happening. So I asked some friends on Twitter and I said, what do y'all use? And everyone said, oh, after Apple's, you know, fucked up uh, Final Cut Pro, I switched to Adobe Premiere. And a very good friend of mine who's a very competent um, video editor said the same thing. And he said, you know, he's like, "It's, it's basically where if Final Cut Pro had continued being what it was back in version seven and hadn't been completely changed then you would wind up with Premiere. Premiere is like Final Cut Pro 7, just really, 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 really modern and good. And of course, there's problems with Premiere too. Nothing's perfect. But without watching any videos, without paying any money, I was able to download Final, uh, download Adobe Premiere and edit the video and produce the video and launch the video in two hours. 
So from start to finish, I have no, no video editing software on my computer to here is the finished video. Two hours later, I was able to do it without really, I had to watch that one video uh, about the subscribe button. Everything else was just natural. And that's because I think I was used to doing it a certain way, which by the way, is still the, the primary way most people are doing it. Lots of other video editing software exists and it all follows this convention. Apple Final Cut Pro is on its own in the way that it's doing it for the most part. That doesn't make it bad. It's just very different. And maybe if I'd never learned the old way and came into Final Cut Pro new, then I might say, oh, this is, this is great. This is wonderful. This is the best way to do it. But coming from, you know, 15 plus years of doing it a different way, and really, there's no reason for me. Why would I do it the Final Cut Pro way if I have Adobe Premiere or Avid or um, Avid or Avid, half yeah. of these other tools that are out there, you know? And I don't, I don't know what That's the, very frustrating. The, the, the whole, yeah. like, why are we doing this this way? That thing is very frustrating to me where it's like, I don't understand. If everything was fine. Why, are, why is it all not fine now? Hard, hard. Just leave it hard, alone. Hard, hard, Leave it alone. Yeah, Just and that's the thing. Alone. I don't know why they decided to change it. I mean, arguably people who went along with it did say that it was better. They do say that, it. oh, it's uh, faster. It's better. It's great. Right, but that's like Stockholm Syndrome. It feels like so often. <laughs> that's like, what yeah, I thought, I just, John. <laughs> I, inv- I invested nine weeks in learning this new thing. And, uh, it's amazing. It's like, yeah, I know. And yeah, I bet you liked Phantom Menace too. Yeah. God, but I'm sure John, if I was like, I, this is the only software I've got, I've got to make this work that like in a couple of weeks at the end of it, I would be saying what they're all saying. Like, well, once you get it, it's really great magnetic timeline, but it's just, you know, like you've, you have, you used something like logic or pro tools to master or record or, or do anything like that. Mixing. I'm so, so bad and so frustrated at being bad at following through on any recording program long enough to be good at it or even, even like remotely like competent at it that I always end up falling back on GarageBand, mm-hmm. a company mm-hmm. or a, a product that I don't really understand either. And I record it just sort of, and the thing is like, I've spent so much time in recording studios. I know how things work. I know how to look at a mixing board and make it work. Um, but computers, it's just like, it's all on, it's all on pull down menus and it's all on key commands And all that stuff is just like, it's just like playing video games. It's like learning some combination of like left click, you know, pull down, uh, command option a is this. And, you know, and I just, I never, I never learned it. And so the, the machines continue to be mysteries to me because I go, I know what I want to do. What I want to do is I want to mute this part from here to there. And I know the hard way to do that is go into the volume track and create a place where the volume drops out with the little, by, 
by putting you know two dots in and dragging them down and right. all this but that doesn't seem very efficient it feels like i should just be able to ghost that section and have it be a mute but i can't figure it out and so i don't want to go in and do it the other way for some reason because it feels inefficient it feels wrong and you know oh and also i want to take this i want to cut this this four bars out of this and put that over here and have it be a crossfade. But in GarageBand, I can't figure out how to do it. And in Pro Tools and in Logic, I've watched people do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they're just flying through it like, oh, zip and there and crossfade and zip and there and crossfade. And they've got all the commands. They're just moving really fast. And I want to be able to do that. But in GarageBand, I can't even figure out how. You know, it seems to all... The only thing I know how to do is go into those weird, um, those weird volume tracks and make things go up or down. But it seems like when I cut something and try and graft it together, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it manually. Like I'm dragging it and trying to drop it right where it belongs, you know, and it's not, it's not automated. And part of it, I, it maybe is that I, I expect things to be user friendly and that that processes that you use over and over and over would be automated with a quick thing. But I go to all these menus, I'm pulling them down. I can't figure it out. And this is the type of thing that if you took a YouTube class or something, but I go and look at those YouTube things and it says, you know, GarageBand for beginners. And I'm like, all right, I'll watch this. And they're like, a computer is a device that sits on your, and it's like, no, no, no. I, I know what things are like. Don't, you don't have to explain to me what the record button does. I want to have. And so I go up and I'm looking for like, how do I do a crossfade in GarageBand? And if you go to the, if you go to the, the Q and a section of the program, it tells you nothing. And it seems like if there were an answer to it, it would be there in the help mm-hmm. function, uh, but it's not. You know, here I'm in GarageBand right now. If I put crossfade into the um, the help and push return, uh, the options are edit the timing of notes, delete, reset, and move the edit arrangement markers. You know, like. Like crossfade is such a universal term in recording. And the fact that in the GarageBand help, it does not recognize the name, the word crossfade is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says flex time simplifies the process of editing the timing of notes uh, without the need for trimming, moving, nudging, or crossfading. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to edit the timing of notes. I want to take a, a part and I crossfade and, you know, like two guitar solos or whatever, you know, crossfade them crossfade. It's just a thing that all programs do. Anyway, that's a little bit of a rant. At my frustration. That's a real frustration. Being 50 years old, I've been in recording studios since I was 21 years old and have spent months in them. 
sitting over someone's shoulder and saying, okay, I want to take this part, crossfade it into that part, and then I want to, you know, and I want the trailing note here to just fade into that note coming up the other side. And the people that are sitting at the console are like, Roger. And I'm, I'm mixing an, right, but, an album. But John, I'm they can't not, do, they can't do what you do. Well, but it doesn't matter because I have to pay them to do what I want done. Right. And they don't have to pay me mm -hmm. because there's always a million guys lining up to, to pay them. Mm -hmm. So, I just want to be able to do it. I want to be able to do it at home. I'm not trying to make a a gold record here. I just want to get my ideas down. Um, and I can't. And you know, and my friends do. Ben Gibbard makes a makes an, a basically like ready to go records in his basement studio with just by himself. And then he hands those records to his bandmates and says, "Here are the parts." And they're fully realized. I mean, Ben's demos sound as good as people's records. Uh, but he, he learned the tools. So I keep thinking like GarageBand's not enough. I need to buy logic or I need to buy pro tools or I need to buy something. Um, and then I get into that whole world of like, what's the best lawnmower? Hey, welcome to Wirecutter. There's, there are the 50 best lawnmowers. Wirecutter is probably a bad example. They do a good job of that. But like, what's the best weed whacker? Put that into your URL and, and spend an hour reading the results and tell me what the best weed whacker is. You know, all those, all those websites are about like, well, here's the best weed whacker if you want to whack weeds. Here's the best weed whacker if your weeds aren't whackable. Here's the best weed whacker if you want to whack weeds, but you want to, you know, you want to weasel out of the wind. Or, you know, it's just like, just, just have there be one thing. And that's an old man thing. You know, that's some grandpa shit right there. Mm -hmm. Like, just go down to the hardware store and buy the craftsman of everything or the black and decker of everything. Uh, and you know, maybe eventually that's what will happen to me in my, in my curmudgeonliness. I will be the one that says everything I own is made by, uh, Makita and I never have to think about it. I never have to think about it ever again. Right. I really wish I could learn to use logic though. You know, Logic's not that bad. Logic's, for me, GarageBand is unusable. Unusable. People use it and I, recommend, right? I recommend it to people. But I just, it feels, it feels like, um, like if, if I said, listen, we've got to go write, you know, I'm working on my, uh, on my, my graduate thesis. Like, oh, cool. I've got, I've got these uh, things that'll help you out right here. Here's, here's a, a small child size chalkboard and some colored chalk. You can write your thesis right here. It feels yeah. ki kid, kitty, kid, like for kids, it feels comic goal. It feels cute. And I know there's people who are doing amazing stuff with GarageBand. Like it's like, they're like right now they're like deeply offended by what I've just said. But, and yes, I mean, there, you can make it do all kinds of stuff, but there's something about it that just feels 
Like it feels like something my son would put on his iPad and has on his iPad and like making like beats and cool stuff and funny sounds and little things like that with it. And it, yeah, I get that it's pretty powerful, but even logic, the only reason that I use logic instead of pro tools is because I got tired of having to constantly worry about where the little USB key was. Cause you know, pro tools right. has that requirement where you've got to have the USB key you know, that kind of thing just got, it got irritating because I had different computers and I said, well, if, you know, if I have my laptop and I want to edit this thing and I'm at home and the key is stuck into the work computer, I can't, I can't edit anything. And that actually happened to me multiple times. And someone said, oh, you should try Logic. So I said, oh, fine. And Logic has one of those really nice, like uh, licensing, you know, the way Apple stuff is uh, and Adobe is the same way. You can install it on as many different computers as you want. You just can only use it on one of them at a time, which is perfectly reasonable. Mm -hmm. So I just, and, and I think at the time logic was like 99 bucks or something. So I bought it and I'm using it. It's fine. I've got a little workflow, but there's a lot of things that, I mean, pro tools is just like at the, when I was editing, when I, back in the day, when I was doing like three shows a day, five, six days a week, pro tools was my best friend. I could, I could produce fully edit and produce a show in, in just a few minutes with pro tools. It's so much better than anything else out there. And for a while though, they had only real time bounce. So for people who don't edit stuff, bouncing is basically when you're done with the thing, whether it's a podcast or a, a song or whatever, uh, bouncing it is what basically exports it as a single file, like an MP3 that you can go listen to. Right. And for the longest time, Pro Tools had what was called, um, they, it, they were missing what I think is called offline bounce, which basically means like with Logic, when you bounce it, it'll just, however fast your computer is, that's how long it'll take to bounce. So if you have a fast computer with lots of RAM, it could bounce an hour long podcast in, you know, five minutes, maybe less. Pro Tools, if you had an hour long podcast, it would take an hour to bounce it. Uh, because it was basically just playing it and turning it. And so they finally, they finally got rid of that right about the time I had switched to logic. But there are so many, this is the case that I find with so much software and so many workflows and so many things that are out there in the world. It's just, it's just like, there's a way of doing something and you get, you kind of like want to keep doing it that way. And then the software changes. But for you, I think, I think in, if you just sat down I, and you're the kind of person, I feel like you're kind of like me where being shown something, especially in person by a person, like if I sat down with you, you would be using logic, editing logic in 20 to 30 minutes. If I just sat down yeah. and like showed you, not like I made a video for you, but like if just you and I sitting at your computer with logic running, I could show you in very, very short period of time how to really make that thing dance and you'd be like well of course now it seems obvious i can do this now right that's what i think well and that's what i should do yeah. what i should do dan is fly you and hattie up here okay at my own expense put you up in a very nice hotel mm -hmm. take you out to dinner every night at mm -hmm. a different expensive but covid free restaurant right and then all you would have to do is give me 20 minutes of instruction on computers. We could do it with screen sharing day. too. We could do what? Use screen sharing. I could share your screen and show you on your screen how to, how to edit. Or you could watch me do, use mine. 
oh, that would be much less expensive than yes. me going, flying you guys all the way up here. Well, uh, why don't we do a screen, sh- screen save for a screen share and uh, you can teach me some things. I would love to do that. Okay. Let's do it. Teach good. you some, teach you some logic. Right, good. Get you editing your songs. Yeah. 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 You don't need That'd those. Be nice. You don't need those jamokes that you're having. You don't have to pay those guys. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. Jamokes. Jamokes. That's a Florida term. That's the Florida and me coming out. I don't even know what that is, but it's nice. I like it. Jamokes. Jamoke. Let me see. I don't know if that's Jamoke Wiktionary. Let's see what it says. Oh, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> oh, okay. Etymology appearing at the end of the 19th century as a blend of Java plus Mocha. By the 1920s became slang for someone who lacked mental abilities beyond that of a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's about right. Nice. Nice. Java mocha. I had no idea. Huh. You know, there's a lot of that stuff that feels like it came from movies that now I look I look back and it was, it was always some slur. We used to use a lot of slurs, if you recall, um, back in the old days, slurs just seemed, uh, like that was just the way, the way they went. I was thinking about the lyrics of parents just don't understand by, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Yeah. And, uh, really the, the lyrics of that song, which were considered like the kind of feel good teeny bopper uh song of the summer in 1987 uh you know they tell a a, uh, a harrowing and sordid tale and uh you know there's child abuse in it there's teen runaways there's a car theft um the whole thing sung from the perspective of presumably an, an incel it uh it's a it's pretty gruesome police brutality but in 1987 that was considered you know kind of kids music yeah so look at us now when was the last time any uh, you used a slur against anybody hardly use slurs against anybody except nerds and incels Computer people. Mm-hmm. Computer yeah, people, exactly. Oh, I just said I just said that, and and Alexa just said, "Hmm, I don't know." Do you use the um the word "computer" as your activation word for Alexa? Yeah, because um, the neighborhood kids would come in uh, playing with my daughter, and they would, um, you know, they knew. Alexa and they knew, um, Siri or they knew the, they knew whatever the words were and they would, they would have the, they would have it play old town road over and over really loud. God. And so we changed it to computer. We changed it to everything and they figured it all out, but they never, for whatever reason, figured out the C word. And so we use it, but I mean, I don't use it. I never say anything to it. It's just down here because I think it, um, 
I think the the ladies in the house use drop in to talk to each other from one end, like a, like an old fashioned intercom. Um, I just forget it's there. The only time I remember it's there is when I say the word C O M P U T E R. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's talking to me and I'm like, Oh, that thing, right. That thing is over there. <laughs> do you ever talk to your little thing? I mean, do you have a little <laughs> thing or does your wife not allow it in the house? It's not allowed in the house. Um, okay. so I have one at work and, um, but I, I, I do use it sometimes, but no, we're not allowed to have anything uh, like cool in the house. Right, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. Why would you? No. You're going to end up like Matt Howie, with your garage door going up and down without you even knowing it. That's right. That's what his, uh, that's his whole situation. Yeah. He can't get into his house because his, because his uh, garage door. <laughs> Is on his is on his computer and on his phone or something. That's right. Yep. We have a lot of. Oh my goodness! You just said computer. Just, I did. You just said I computer. And then she asked me if I wanted to make an announcement. <sighs> and I don't even know what to say. Maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs>